Hello, uh, welcome to the Diabolical Podcast. This is the very first episode of the of the of the podcast. Uh, we actually record the, my guest and I today recorded a, a sort of rough draft podcast uh, a few weeks ago, but uh, current events being what they are, things transpired, and, and that podcast was quickly uh, made irrelevant by breaking news. So we re-recorded a couple weeks later. And so you will never get the pilot, but you're going to get the, the first episode of Diabolical Podcast and our special guest, Ollie Barter, who is just a really interesting guy to talk to. He has a, a wealth of information and experience about the games industry, which he's worked in for many years, uh, both on, on really on various sides of the aisle, working in development, working in testing, working in, uh, in journalism. So Ollie, Ollie has you know so much more experience than I do in video games, and he's just a, a really a really nice guy and a, a lot of fun to talk with. Lots of uh, insights about the gaming industry, and um, you know from his unique perspective, he is he's a Brit living in Japan. He's worked for lots of different companies and just crossed paths with lots of interesting people in the field. So uh, buckle up, we talk for over an hour. I'll have to check, but uh, it's, a, it's a good long conversation, so hopefully you enjoy it, and uh, this will be the first of many conversations with interesting people, both in video games, entertainment, uh, and all, all across, you know, media, um, politics, who knows? This is just the beginning, so I hope you do subscribe to this podcast, and uh, I appreciate you watching or listening, however you do uh, consume podcasts, so thank you very much, and enjoy. Okay, we're we're uh, this is this is a, the very first episode of my new podcast, my diabolical podcast, which would go with my diabolical Substack and my diabolical YouTube channel, and uh, we've got Ollie Barter with us. Uh, Ollie, good to see you again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it only took us like I don't know six seven years, but yeah, yeah we got we got we, there in the end. We we had a, a test podcast that kind of was poorly timed, so we're doing this again. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully our timing is a little better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we literally did it like a day before, like a major, major news drop. So that yeah, was just like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like your new den. That's excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about my swords. I've got yes. my Conan sword and my uh, my medieval war sword. Um, just you know, just in case the zombie apocalypse happens or <laughs> you know, civil war. Do you do HEMA, by the way? Do you actually, like, do, like... Uh, I don't, I don't really. I, you know what? I want to. There, I think we have a group here, and I've, I've got, like, a practice sword also, and I've been thinking, like, I need to do that. that looks really point. fun. Because oh, here yeah, in Japan, totally. I mean, it, it's just Kendo. I mean, I don't really know if there's any kind of, like, HEMA here, but... Um, yeah. No, I always find that stuff really interesting, like, the way they try and figure out all the old uh, medieval, like, effectively martial arts of using swords. Um, right. So, oh, totally. And and they're using like like hundreds of years old manuscripts of like you know poorly drawn and it's like really interesting how they work it out. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. I I yeah. would like to. I it's I've got this whole like you know self improvement thing going on, and I think like learning how to fight and you know learning ah. some 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 martial arts, some sword fighting, you know some shooting, all that stuff. I think it's all it's all part of the the bigger picture. I don't know. I never, I never did martial arts as a kid, and I sort of, I sort of re regret that in a way, I guess. So I've uh, got my ten-year-old doing some martial arts, and I think that's, 
I, I mean, know. I, I think, think it's a good thing to learn. Yeah, I mean, it is. But I mean, I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure, like, realistically, I always find it really interesting when people kind of, like, get really good at things like jujitsu and stuff like this. But, um, I mean, you're not really, I mean, one of the first things they teach you is, like, not to engage. So it's, it's right. I, I mean, <laughs> the reason, I mean, I, when I was little, I did judo and I think I did a bit of jujitsu and that was mostly for um, exercise, really, and just kind of coordination. So, because yeah. I'm, like, quite dyspraxic because i'm dyslexic so um it's actually very helpful and weirdly my, my dad and i are very good at sports or he's very good at sports and i'm all right but um that was i'm, I'm good when i'm moving <laughs> but when i'm not moving i'm like a very clumsy person yeah. so weirdly anyway sorry that's complete so what about gaming tangent. how does that translate to no, oh, gaming's no, no. Fine, but, I mean, you're, so, you're not moving when you're gaming gaming's fine yeah, yeah gaming's fine so so like i'm good with like very small movements so i can do cooking and um you know i mean gaming's absolutely fine um but it's when i'm kind of like actually physically trying to do something like pick things up or i'm just very clumsy um but if i'm <laughs> running and like i'm i'm having to think about what i'm doing for some reason it kind of cancels it out so i don't know why that is um i probably should it's a, it's this, it's like deep instinctive you know running is like the, the your base primal like survival mechanism you yeah. know get away but, I mean, from the saber-toothed tiger <laughs> right but in my case it was like with rugby i mean i could like throw the ball very accurately or you know tackle people quite you know precisely and all this kind of stuff yeah. so um but if i'm like trying to put up i don't know shelves or you know change a light bulb or something then it's just very like <laughs> but um gaming's weirdly fine so i think it's it's very small precise movements or model kit building that kind of mm -hmm. stuff though i'm not good at painting i'm not it's mm. just it's a bit too fine for me anyway I've always loved the painting. I never did the the model building, but when I when I was pretty young, I got into miniature painting. You know, uh, I, like, Warhammer. Like, uh, no, I never. You know, Warhammer was like too expensive for me, so yeah. I just bought like the little pewter D and D figurines. You know, oh, they're not. And, like, those are nice. Lord of the Rings. You know, actually, I in sixth grade, I remember I got it. I had been in. I'd been into painting for about a year, and I, I had a little figurine of like Gimli or something. I think it was one oh, of the nice. dwarves. And I entered it in a contest and I actually won first place. And I was really pleased with myself. I was, it was pretty exciting as, as a, you know, a 11 year old kid or whatever, but I don't That's think awesome. I ever entered, a, entered another contest for painting, but I, you know, I haven't done minis in a long time. And that actually is that's something I'd like to get my kids into because it's kind of a Zen experience, you know, just sitting mm. there and like all that kind of hobbyist stuff, I think, whether you're knitting or models or painting, like, you know, that, that combination of like creativity and fine motor skills and, you know, achieving something, even something kind of small or, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I think it's important. I mean, I these days, that, it's all, everything's yeah. so easy, you know, people just get on their, their phones and, and play like, you know, some silly mobile game or get mm -hmm. on Instagram. I think like those, those little hobbies are important. They're kind of, kind of like, you know, tabletop games and things that engage your creativity. I think tactile media is a really good description of it. And it is really um like important i mean i've been following like the the upsurge of you know gundam model kit building in the states at the moment because bandai's doing a really big push for that and it's fascinating to see that that's actually kind of more of a gateway into the anime and all the other kind of mythos is from the model kits because hmm. people like they buy a model kit they they like the look of and then they kind of see oh, okay this anime could be really interesting so but that's kind of interesting so cool. and also gaming yeah, kind of fits into that in a way because it's like I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's tactile media. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. stop 
yeah, because we had stuff to talk about. Oh, and no. we're kind of going all over the place. No, ramble away. I think I think you know the fun of a podcast is you know just see you know letting it take you where you go. Mm. Um, but yes, we do. I mean, it's true. There's just there's 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 you know last time we did we talked about the Hogwarts legacy stuff with Troy Leavitt. Yes, and, with Troy Leavitt. Yeah. Um, right, and this is what this is this was the story that broke. So we talked about all this and we speculated and we talked, and then like the next day he came out with his video. <laughs> Or maybe it Which was later that it. evening, you know, where yeah, it he really explained was. why. Yeah, and we were like, "Oh, well." But, but, it, but it was, that... but it was pretty much what we what we expected, <laughs> though. It was because because yes. everybody was to be fair because everybody it was like they were saying this guy's you know we've cancelled him. This is why he's leaving. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. He's leaving for personal reasons. It's completely got nothing to do with this. Um, I mean, the guy's been around forever in terms of game development, so. You know, the fact that he would be cancelled for stuff that his employer already knew about is just right. It's just that whole yeah, I, that whole thing was so so brazenly ridiculous. I, I couldn't I mean I could believe it, but at the same time I kinda couldn't believe it. You know, yeah. like you know, because it's one thing, you know, you see maybe an article or two and you're like, Okay, whatever, like these this mm. is this is typical game journalism in twenty twenty one, right? But then just how many articles there were, and then the articles saying like Ah, uh, he's running a con. He's he's gonna he's gonna make he's gonna like uh, pivot into YouTube and Patreon and make a bunch of money off of all the outrage and and it's like, guys, have you watched his videos? Like, this guy's not gonna make it big as a YouTuber and on Patreon. Like, why would he do that when he's got a nice cush developer jo- a producer job on I mean, this AAA game? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was it was really quite. And his 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 sort of video explaining everything was really. I thought it was pretty great because, you know, he's a very calm guy, very mm. collected. You know, he, he talks about the reasons and it had to do with his family. And he talks about, yeah. you know, he, he'd already retired and now he's just re-retiring. So he could go help some some family member who was you know, having a hard time. Yeah. He, um, you know, he addressed the whole thing, not to the public at large, but to his co-workers who he was yeah. no longer going to be working with, which I thought was pretty classy. And then he did a little, little, uh, little bit on... Um, Journalism and the failures of, of journalism in his particular case, which which he was completely I, I, correct on. He was absolutely correct. I don't know if any of the people who actually wrote about it, you know, even bothered to watch that video, or whether they just, you or, know, more importantly, decided to amend their articles once the right. facts came out. There were which a couple, but something a lot that of I, them, I think, no, no, because the, really the yes. whole thing, like I said, like last time, I think the reason why it broke was it was kind of like a new uh, sort of acolyte um, trying to get into the clique, trying to kind of show, I found oh, yeah. fresh meat for you, and this is mm, what we're going mm-hmm. to destroy now. Um, and yes, a person. Yeah, that, a person and their yes. life and their livelihood, hopefully. you know, The blood sport, isn't it great? <laughs> but it's just, well, I don't understand. I mean, these are the people that are supposed to be sort of – you know, standing up for, you know, everyone. Have I just dropped them? Yeah. But um, no, they're, they're supposed to be standing up for everyone. And yet they bully, um, you know, bullying is somehow okay, which I, I don't really yeah. register and understand how that can kind of resolve itself. Because, I mean, from my standpoint, I'm, I'm left wing. <laughs> um, I mean, I voted mm-hmm. Labour in Britain numerous times, um, much to the consternation of my family. But... Um, and you know, I, I don't. I mean, I don't have a thyroid. I had it removed when I was nineteen. So in Britain, I had to rely on the National Health Service. So I understand the value of, um, you know, socialised medicine. 
But, you know, I thought that these people were, you're meant to be kind of compassionate, I, I assumed if you're on the left, but these people are just, they're just nasty bullies. They just go after people. And I've actually kind mm-hmm. of experienced it weirdly right. recently. I was kind of dogpiled on, and I mean, it wasn't like, I wouldn't say a pleasant experience, but it was kind of, it felt really misplaced because I wasn't talking about anything, you know, in remotely controversial or, um, you know, in any way inaccurate, actually, because what, I mean, I was talking from my own personal experience across multiple jobs and that just seemed to set, you know, a certain vocal minority really off and they thought it was totally okay just to go ad hominem and just go after me rather than what I was actually talking about. And I just thought, right. that, so you, you, oh, there yeah. is no, yeah. there's no discourse, there's no discussion, there's no kind of to and froing of ideas and it's just, you're wrong shut it and it's like whoa that's weird um and it kind of makes me feel well i think yeah i think that you know you said that you know that you think you would you'd imagine the left to be compassionate because the left has traditionally fought for you know equal rights and better Mm. pay and you know healthcare and all these things um and you'd also expect the left to be sort of a place of free thought free thinking free you know defenders of free speech and and, you know, uh, very, you know, even, you know, I'll, you know, I, I don't agree with you, but I'll defend your right to say it, that kind of, that kind of attitude. But that has, that, all those things seem to have been replaced by this uh, language policing. And it's a kind of bullying for sure. Uh, you're, you're, I, I saw you get dogpiled. Um, and it was about, you, you were talking about the difference between like developers and yes, that was testers. It, yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I think you were making, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think you were, I mean, from my, my impression of it. And of course, you know, I, I kind of like dipped my toes in and then I undipped my toes because there's only so <laughs> many, there's only so many pools I can, I can wade through, you know, at any yeah, given yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and personally, and of course, never having worked on a video game, I don't have a dog in the fight. I but what I took you as saying is that, you know, there is the development side where they actually build the game, all the people that yeah, actually make stuff, put yeah. it together. And then there's the testing side, which tests the game. And just like test, you know, testing and development are separate because they have to be just like mark, you know, marketing and development are separate yeah. or, you know, in journalism, just like editorial and marketing are separate. Yeah. These, these, these parts of the business are, are separate and distinct for a reason. And, um, I didn't. I didn't really get the impression that you were saying like testers are, are subhumans or something, right? Like testers do an I important used to be job. A tester. Yeah, I, a, I know exactly. Like, right. So, I don't and I'm sure it. that many testers do move from that into development, and you know Which sometimes develop move move into management, and management then gets you know bought out, and they go live on the beach. So yes. uh, <laughs> that, that's actually pretty much the, the line you <laughs> that's go. Just, that's yeah. how it goes. Yeah. No, that's where you end up. Um, you always end up on the beach, ideally. On the beach. And then in a scandal and then you're divorced and she takes you for all you're worth. God damn yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that, that's kind um, of the, yeah, the yeah. second story arc. But, it's, but no, the it's whole so thing. Intru- yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. So the whole thing with that, what I found really strange was like, what is so wrong with being a tester? What is so wrong right. with being someone who localizes games. Why is that not enough? Um, because from my standpoint, I mean, I, just to kind of give a whole kind of, I started as a, pub, a tester in, a, in publishing at Electronic Arts, which was a certification testing. So basically you had to destroy a game in a few weeks before you submitted it to 
Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. And I ended up as a senior tester pretty quickly on that because I was managing a team of people. And I never would have thought of myself as a developer. I was never making the game. I'm supporting the developer so they can get it through submission and released. And then two years later, I worked at a small developer. Officially, I was called an associate producer, but realistically, I was a tester. And I was basically helping the people making the game, like finding bugs as they were making it. So that's a very different kind of testing. But even then, I wouldn't have said I was a developer. I was helping the people that were developing it. And I remember there was a a shift when I went from being a tester after like about a year into becoming a designer because I actually had to design stuff on the games. And that was very different because I was actually going into the game and making changes to make it better which was much more direct. I wasn't like a support function. I was actually right. doing it. So there, I remember very clearly, okay, so this is the difference. This this is not the same. Um, but all the experience I had from testing was obviously very useful because you learn how to break games and sort of iterate very quickly on how things are working. Sure. So yeah. it's not that I ever thought that testing was not valuable or that these people are not, you know, necessary. Absolutely, they're necessary. But from my own personal experience, I never, I was not a developer when I was testing. When I was designing, then that was something I was integrally involved in the making of the game. Um, and I just kind of said all that because basically, I think one of the reasons that probably I didn't give the best context was that in Japan, there seems to be this like group of localization people that want to call themselves developers. And I really don't understand where this comes from. Um, because from my standpoint, like localization tends to happen at the publishing end, which is like mm-hmm. really far removed from when the game's being made. What they're basically doing is, um, you know, the game's done at that point and then they translate it. But um, for some reason, localization here has a weird spin on it, which I don't understand, um, like why it needs to be that way. Because realistically, hmm. they're still doing it from a publishing standpoint. And they all often want to call themselves developers. So that's where it kind of came from, because I keep on hearing this thing come up and up and up and up, you know, up again. And especially when I have friends that are, you know, localization people that don't do that. I was just like, right. why are these people doing it? What is so do wrong? You think, do you think it's like that being a game developer has a certain sexiness to it or like mystique around it that people want to attach <laughs> themselves? I mean, I don't think I don't think in like reality that it is, but do you think there's sort of like because <laughs> that's I, mean, I, I never once felt that I became inherently sexier. When but, I do you think that like in the software world, like like people like who are programming, uh, you know? Just co- you know, coding games, games specifically. There's always people who want to make games, right? Because games are sexy. Like, there's something cool about making games. So you want to be, think, yeah. you know, in game development as opposed to like working on, you know, Microsoft Office or something. Or you know, it, although probably yeah. working in my, uh, in that is probably a better job and you get less yes. crunch than working yes. in games. And probably pays right. better. So and um, probably pays better and has more job security and all the rest. Yes. Hey, can yeah. as reviewers, can we call ourselves developers? <laughs> I mean, I mean can I just can I do that now? Because I am an integral part of the game. When does it end? When does it end? <laughs> oh god! Yeah, I thought, you know, maybe I should get into game consulting. You know, like become one of those consultants. I mean, that's a different that, like, thing. Game consulting. You know, and then but again, then can I call myself a developer? Not really. So I, mean, <laughs> I'm just I know. Kidding. I'm kidding. No, 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 no. But I mean, going consulting is fine. I mean, I know a few people that have done that and actually done it well. Um, but again, they wouldn't call themselves developers either. No. So, no. Um, at least the good ones, anyway. I mean, some of the consultants probably would. Con- I, I think it's more about um, everybody wants to take credit for stuff they haven't done. I tend to find. 
Um, and I'm not sure whether that's a sexy thing. I think it's more of a status thing. Um, that yeah, yeah, really... status, sexy, totally. Same, same difference yeah. in a lot of ways. I, um, yeah, yeah, I, okay, I see where you're coming from then. Um, yeah, I think probably there is that element where they just want to be, They, I'm guessing they want to feel more important than they actually mm. are. Um, for me, it was always just, I want to do something that I can kind of engage with or that I can find interesting and spend my time doing and mm -hmm. everything else is kind of a byproduct really. But I think the other things that happens a lot, maybe more in the States than it does in Japan is that um, there's, there, there's, there's the real side to how games are made. And then there's kind of the PR side to how games are made and the people that kind of get put into the limelight to promote games. And oh, I think sure. what happens is that it disproportionately sort of skews how games are made onto one person. And um, you and I both know that's just nonsense because there is an army of people on right. most AAA games. Um, and, I mean, even on the indie games, I mean, when you have people like taking credit for the whole game, I mean, that that sometimes there are genuine people who do do that, who do make everything. But the ones that tend to do make everything aren't that loud and, you know, Right. but the ones that they're kind of busy. work in... <laughs> right right exactly i mean and they're more kind of it's partly they're too busy but it's also that they're so you know drilled down right. on trying to make it good and make it work right. that they just don't have any other kind of room in their head for it so well um, they're usually working independently and so they're not sort of thrown into the machine into the the cogs of like the corporate PR pub, you know, cause we've got, you know, like look at Sony and how many, or, or, or any of these, uh, you know, these, you know, these celebrity game producers like Neil Druckmann or something, you know, they get a lot of right. credit. They get a lot of blame. They probably don't deserve either. Right. Like they, they deserve some credit. They deserve some blame, but really it's a huge team and there's a huge mm. publisher behind that. And there's a lot of executive decisions being made. And there's, mm. there's a lot of like, Piece, moving pieces. So, mm. uh, you know, Hideo Kojima is a great example of another like yeah, so he's major the, the celebrity de developer yeah. producer. I mean, you probably know more about that than me, but from yeah, what no, I've, no, I mean, but, you know, heard. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's like um, he's like the anomaly in sort of the Japanese games industry in a way because he is very PR, you know, adept and focused. Whereas yeah. most of the other sort of people who work in game dev are not as slick and generally speaking they don't take credit for everything in the same way that he does yeah um so yeah no i don't know i mean my concern with kojima is more about the way that he spends money um which kind of then folds into the whole unsustainable triple a budgets nightmare which is just kind of quiet right. this is just, this is one of your yeah sorry yeah <laughs> This, this is, is one of, of your. No, this is one of your. And when we've talked, this is one of your. And I think it's an important one. I think it's one that's not. I mean, we. You know, we hear. I'm glad that we're hearing more about crunch and whatnot, but we don't really see a lot of discussion. or hear a lot of discussion about the unsustainability of AAA game development and, yeah, and budget cost. I mean, we don't yes. hear about budgets because they don't. Nobody talks about budget. No one talks about budgets. No one talks about sales. But you know, from what you've told me in the past, like this is a pretty big problem. Yes. And I think the only kind of company that is actually trying to resolve the issue from a technical standpoint is Epic with um, Unreal Engine 5 and the way that they're dealing with how assets are used. Um, so basically, I mean, there, there's actually weirdly a fantastically good article on Forbes from a good few years back breaking down why, um, you know, games have got exponentially more expensive to develop. And it's mostly down to art resources, uh, really. 
Um, there are some other elements that do bump the costs up as well, obviously. Um, but basically, um, the size of the teams and how long you have to develop for incurs a huge budget. And the thing with like in movies, I mean, it's kind of not quite as fair, but in movies, you tend to find out what the budget is and then how much it makes. So you can then kind of infer roughly, oh, it's been profitable. Oh, it's been a failure. In gaming, we only kind of get sales if we're lucky and they're not consistent. But when it comes to budgets and sales, we don't get that. And I think it's partly because publishers, when they're getting loans and money from the money layer of the games industry, the fact that they don't disclose budgets makes it a lot easier to kind of pull down that kind of investment um, because everybody's not doing it. No one's kind of explained this is how much it really costs. Um, but the, the scary thing is, is like in the past, what, I don't know, 10, 15 years, we've lost hundreds and hundreds of developers because basically publishers offset the losses onto the developers who are living hand to mouth anyway on the milestone system. So, and again, no one's really talking about this. Um, and whenever I kind of bring it up, it's just like, you know, the elephant in the room, which nobody wants to acknowledge is ever there. Um, and they, everyone kind of treats me like I'm some kind of weirdo. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the thing shaking is, shaking your I'm, fist at the clouds. <laughs> yeah, really, it does feel like I'm an I'm an angry old man shaking my fist at the sky. Um, but I mean, I I care about it because um, I care about games and I want those to kind of continue to exist. Um, so I'm I'm not super, you know, happy about the way that you know big AAA budgets are going. I do kind of think though the Switch has kind of given us a bit of a respite because obviously you can't. We, you can spend lots of money on the Switch, but there's no point graphically speaking. So mm-hmm. um, I do actually think the Switch has given us a bit of a, um, you know, a stay of execution maybe. But mm-hmm. um, but I, I am concerned that in the long run, things are going to be crazy. But what is, I mean, they already are terribly awful. Um, but I mean, to the point that games physically can't be developed um, anymore for the kind of, I mean, there, there is, like, if they keep going down this route, it just will... I mean, it already is unsustainable, really. It's just we don't get to see that. And mobile games, a lot of these publishers are kind of making up the losses. I mean, I have a lot of very specific data on stuff that is actually... that kind of backs this up. But again, I can't use it because whenever I try and get a source to go on the record, it's like, nope, not going to yeah. do it because yeah, that's terrifying. that's the gaming industry, yeah. Um, what about, you know, you, spoke, you talked about Epic a little, but... Um... You know, when, when the when the Epic Game Store first launched, um, I heard from some game developers that, that it was pretty exciting for them, the new, uh, the cut, you know, the cut, yeah. uh, the 1288 cut versus the 3070 cut uh, was yeah. the difference between laying people off and not laying people, people off. Exactly. And you also have Ep- Epic Game Publishing now too, which also has a much more equitable cut between the publisher and yep. the developer. And in, including just better perks and better, you know, a better treatment of devs. Do you think that like, like Epic has made it just piles of money on Fortnite and on the Unreal Engine. And it seems like they're doing good work with that money to make gaming just a little bit more sustainable and a little bit more compassionate towards developers. I mean, yes, is, is, is that... That's very true. I mean, Tim Sweeney is probably one of the nicest and fairest people I've ever worked with. But, you know, full disclosure, I used to work at Epic Games. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, the, the interesting thing that with Epic, though, is because obviously everybody used Unreal Engine 3 during the 360 PS3 generation. Epic kind of got like a 
really clear forewarning of where all the budgets were going um, because obviously they were involved because they people were using their engine. And uh, I think they kind of took it upon themselves in a very kind of responsible way to kind of say, well, okay, well, we need to figure this out in terms of, because the budgets aren't going to take care of themselves. Publishers are still going to go crazy. So we need to help from a tech standpoint and also from a publishing and platform standpoint. Um, and the thing that I find really frustrating, especially about the Epic and Apple case, is because people don't know much about the reality of the back end of the games industry, especially publishing and how the platforms work, um, it looks like Epic is just being very petulant because there's no context for it. Hmm. And what Epic is doing, I think, is hugely important um, and would just doesn't just affect you know Epic and Fortnite on you know, on the app store. No, it affects yeah. all of gaming for everyone. And, you know, they really absolutely have to win this because if yeah. they win it, then and it's going to be hard. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's an impossible thing that they're doing. Um, it's David and Goliath is what they're doing. It's, yeah, yes. it's crazy. Um, it's ballsy. <laughs> you got to handle well, it. Well, it's, it's ballsy, but it's also actually frighteningly necessary. Um, yeah, it is. Because, I mean, what you're saying about, you know, the 30% cut that platforms take in the case of Sting, I mean, that's pretty much industry-wide. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's an enormous amount of your, you know, revenue is gone. Um, right. And so when it's, Tim was like, he, he's very fair. He understands what it's like to be a developer. Um, and he comes from a development background. Um, and he's just, he's just a very kind of fair person. Um, so I'm really... I'm glad that they're doing what they're doing in terms of the Epic Apple case, but I'm also glad with, so just to kind of explain when I said why Unreal Engine 5 is going to help is so in like older engines and sort of general art creation, there are things called levels of detail. So when you have something up close, you get the full whammy. That's the most shiny version of the thing you're looking at. But when it's, let's say, I don't know, a hundred meters away, you get kind of like an approximation of what it looks like. And each of those are different assets. Now, there are things where uh, those assets are kind of, you know, generated artificially and with like, app, you know, uh, programs and stuff. But generally speaking, it's the creation of all those assets is the time and the money that goes into, uh, you know, development. And when you have like a big open world game where you've got mountains, trees, houses and all this kind of stuff, it's incredibly expensive to develop all of that. Uh, or create all of that art assets. So what's kind of amazing for Unreal Engine 5 and why it's so, you know, important is not only is all the lighting kind of done dynamically, which saves an enormous amount of time, but it's also the fact that you just have one asset and then the game does the levels of detail for you or the engine mm. does the level of detail. So that, that on its own is a huge step forward and, you know, a very important um, you know, cost-saving measure. Now, obviously, publishers, I think, go, yeah, but how shiny can we get it? And then they'll just go, <laughs> um, but I actually <laughs> yeah. think there is uh, a limit to like, because you only have to make one really shiny asset rather than 15, right? Right. Um, of the same thing. So, and and the more powerful the, the hardware gets, the more levels of detail you get effectively, kind of. Um, I mean, I'm kind of simplifying it a lot, but no, what they're good. doing is... is um, <laughs> Now, I mean, that Forbes article, which I can't remember who wrote it, but I think it was an ex-Valve or a Valve artist, basically okay. broke it all down. And in a up. really kind of clear, lovely way. 
And huh. it's still really relevant today, even more so because like with PlayStation 5, you can go completely yeah. nuts. Um, so, and we'll get onto Demon Souls in a minute because I want to talk to you about it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I do agree that, um, yeah, no, Epic are, they're doing the right thing in lots of different ways. Um, and yeah. I, I mean, I don't work for them anymore, but I, I wish them that, you know, all the success in the world because they're, they're, they're the good guys as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I, I'm really impressed with what they've done with the success of their business. I mean, there's so many businesses take that success and just, they're just greedy. And it seems like all that they care about is just making more money. They don't care about their consumers. They don't care about their no. employees. They don't care about other companies. And, you know, what you get from, you know, and, and, and I understand that, you know, the economy runs on competition, but there's also truth that the economy runs on cooperation as well. And what, yes. I, what I love about uh, Epic is that they are trying, that they really do believe that if they can make a fairer uh, system for everyone, it will lift everyone up. Yes, uh, and it, and it is. And that's the important thing. It really is doing mm-hmm. that already. So, And I really, it, I really not- admire that. That's not like a theoretical thing. It is actually right. happening. Yes. So, no, I mean, it, it, I mean, you see that with Epic Game Store and, you know, they're just getting their, you know, they're just getting started with all of that. So I, I really do hope that we see, I mean, I do hope that we see a victory in court for, for them because, yeah. you know, that will I'm, have I'm ripple effects to, to all of the platform holders. And, and really what, I mean, how can they justify the 30% cut? You know, they just have a store that they maintain and, and they have some servers that they maintain and they, you know, you know, Apple keeps its, you know, terms of service and its, its rules. And, and then they just walk away with so much money while everyone else yes. creates all of the, all of the product. And it yes. just, uh, you know, and, and Valve, you know, you know, I like, I like Valve and I think Steam's a great, a great store in some ways and a terrible store in others. And I think that yeah. really Valve ha- in, has, has been a good, a, a source of good in the industry overall. But, you know, again, like, I think that Epic is going to push them, continue to push them in a better direction as well. Yes. You know, even Gabe Newell has said that com- this kind of competition is healthy. So, yeah. um, you know, I it's all in all, this is one bright light in video games. And I don't regret spending so much money on Fortnite skins. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I think there's also a lot of really good stuff that, you know, they've used that money on Fortnite in a really kind of mm-hmm. beneficial way to lots and lots of other people outside of Epic. I mean, they have things like Epic yeah. Mega Grants where they're, you know, giving, literally giving money away to help, you know, developers get, um, you know, up to speed or, um, you know, people try out, do, you know, new things. And I think that's a really noble thing to have done. Um, I mean, what other company does that kind of literally, you know, they're grants, right. they're giving yeah. money, money to, you know, creative people. So I, yeah. I do think yeah, it's right. Cool. It's this cooperative approach, like competition and cooperation. I think it's, 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 it's a mix mm-hmm. of both. Um, and you I need think, both. I, yeah. yeah, you absolutely need both. Otherwise there's nothing left. Um, if it's just competition, mm-hmm. it's just a wasteland. <laughs> um, and this is the yeah. thing about oh, game yeah. development is that, you know, you, if, if these studios keep showing down, you're losing talent. Um, and, a lot yeah. of this sort of creative expertise has now just completely gone by the wayside. And that I feel is, um, because it's not so simple in terms of like all the competition, like you say, well, if someone competes and that person is better then that studio is better. And it's not that straightforward right. because you have people 
The studio is yeah. made up of an enormous variety of people in terms of competence and ability and how they work together as a team is how the game ends up. But just because necessarily a game is not as good doesn't mean the people on that team are, or some of those people on that team aren't amazing. Um, you don't know the makeup. Right. And some team. games so, are, you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't even necessarily mean like as good, right? Like some hmm. games are just less popular and not because they're not as good. Maybe they're way better. But they're just, you know, they, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. At least Respawn has, I mean, that's another developer I really admire. I yeah. think they've done really great stuff and had they've survived the EA menace, you know, well, somehow. The EA menace, <laughs> yes. Well, the new uh, EA menace. What's it? Yeah. EA has, I think, maybe improved also over the years, Sorry. thanks to some pressure and um, feedback. But yeah, I, you know, like, I think another thing also is that, you know, these, these large publishers will acquire studios and then even, so then the, some of them they'll shut down and they'll say, well, all of the people, we're not laying off anybody. They're all moving to new, to other teams. Okay, great. That's good. But you've lost the studio. And there was something in that studio that was special that once you break it into a bunch of different parts is lost, you know? Um, yes. And, and even and when you don't break you up the get, studio, you, you can get look at this, someone like... Yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, so I mean, the thing is, it's, it's like a studio in itself evolves as well because people come and go. And the team mm-hmm. that was there, let's say, on one game is not necessarily the same team that was on, let's say, the follow-up. Um, and I, I think that you know, uh, Respawn's an interesting one because they're good at kind of retaining people. Um, but you're right. I mean, when you kind of, it's, it's like, how do I explain? This is one of the things that I find crazy when they, like, you get these big uh, agencies like CAA grabbing people and then setting up a studio around them. Like, they pull out, like, mm. a creative and then build a studio around them. It's like, you've got this beautiful watch and what you're doing is you've taken a hammer to it and taken out a really big cog and then you're building another <laughs> yeah. watch in a really kind of <laughs> haphazard way around that. And uh-huh. it, and you wonder why it doesn't work so well, um, right? But because you're right, you might it, take you might take a creative person from a studio, and and they're very creative and they're good at what they do. But when you try to build a new studio around them, maybe they're just terrible at the business side of things, or they, they, or they, they, can, they, they have yeah, or managing teams or, or whatever whatever else it may be. And so then you get you know they look no further than Amazon, and it's it's game <sighs> you know it's game failures. They've 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 gotten lots of talent, and they've. Throwing that talent at games and a bunch of money, but talent and money are are not enough to just create good games. I mean, there is something that the the organic factor of teams that naturally grow up around an idea, people who've worked together for a long time, people that share similar ideas and um, ambitions or or, or complement each other's skills. Uh, You can't, you know, it's just like you can't necessarily take musicians from a bunch of different bands and put them in a super band and have a great band. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Or like a movie, you can't just take a bunch of celebrities, toss them all in a movie together and make it a good movie. Just, it still needs to have, uh, you know, the the, the writing, the direction, the the producer. You know, there's so many elements that go into all of these things that just focusing always on the talent is not, it's just not going to work. I mean, that that should seem more obvious, but I feel like there's this... I think there's this obsession with like the image or with the, um, again, this goes back to the Hideo Kojima thing or whatever, you know, like it's the great like, man myth. It, it's yeah, like the great 18th, man myth. There you go. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, I don't know why this thing won't die. I don't know where it, <laughs> I mean, I know where, it, I know exactly where it comes from actually. Um, but yeah, it's the great man myth, but it's just frustrating in 
modern industries, even in movies, you know, where everything is so collaborative mm -hmm. and team oriented and mm -hmm. yet somehow, you know, this destructive focus on singular, you know, individuals that are responsible for everything. I just find just right. maddening. And, that, and one of the things that, I mean, at least it's kind of in a small little way, but whenever I interview people in anime and games here, I'm always struck by how magnanimous they are and how they kind of talk about the overall. And when you interview different people from the same team, you get to get more of a picture of how everybody interacts and you realize, oh, it's this, it's the sum of its parts. It's not just this one dude. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's the great man myth. It's just nonsense. And I don't know why I know where it comes from, but I don't know why it still persists so perniciously. Yeah. Like this, this real desire that you must be, this like one person and it's just well it's, it seems to transcend political and cultural lines in america specifically or in the west i should say like that yeah. that, that you know it's it doesn't matter if you're yeah. yeah it doesn't matter if you're like a you know a, a boots bootstraps conservative or if you're like a woke lefty it seems like everybody has this sort of hero worship complex um and this like need to be like uh powerful and independent i mean you see all the memes like like the like girl power memes and stuff you know and it's like okay you, you know it's you don't you don't always have to be talking about how powerful and like individualistic and awesome and badass you are like that first of all if you do if you're talking about it you probably aren't those things because if you're actually <laughs> confident badass like you don't need to talk you about it you don't need to talk about it yeah second of all like you we all rely on each other like we've lost yeah. this sense of like co of collective uh and communal uh support in so many ways and we, we the, the internet hasn't helped social media hasn't helped with all this but the fact of the matter is is it's hard to go it alone like it's it's so much easier if you have a team and you know and i know this because i do every i do all my shit alone and I don't have a team and that's tough. Like I don't, you know, it's I make tough, my videos yeah. and I edit my videos and I do all my own, you know, my own artwork or, you know, all that stuff. And I don't, I, 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 you know, and all my writing and all my editing and, and um, I don't have, you know, an editor going over my copy. And so like after a while, yeah, it can get, it can get kind of exhausting and you sort of think, wow, this would be a lot more fun also if I had a team to work with. Um, and teams are great. I mean, teams can be frustrating. Coworkers can be frustrating. Um, family can be frustrating, but my God, like this idea that we are successful based on our own individual merits is crazy. Like we succeed because there are so many levels to society that are helping I mean, really, really rich people are only rich because taxpayers help build roads and infrastructure and, you know, like, yeah. work for them <laughs> you know jeff bezos isn't gonna but this be able is the to thing. send out all those packages by himself you know <laughs> right so this is the other thing that i mean talking this is another thing that i love uh like a pet thing that i always kind of wrap around in my head now it's the the um uh you know I, what is it the comment that oliver wendell holmes made which is taxes are the price you pay for a civilized society yeah which I love. But the, the the thing that I really find interesting is that when you have all these billionaires saying, well, you know, I, I did it, you know, I did it all on my own <laughs> and I've earned all this. And it's like, okay, then don't use any of the national infrastructure. Don't use, you know, people that have been uh -huh. educated nationally, people that don't rely upon water that has been, you know, distributed, you know, from a, through a, you know, tax paid national infrastructure. Um, and the thing that I find very interesting is that um, it's the, the, the lack of acknowledgement for how much the mixed economy helps 
um, the, the the extremely wealthy and how much how damaging oh, yeah. it is. It helps them when, the most. Yes, <laughs> and when the extremely wealthy don't pay back their you know dividends into you know back into tax, how much money they make back into tax, yeah. they're actually actively hurting the infrastructure that helps them. Which is again, I find remarkably yeah. short-sighted. And what I find interesting is that people don't look past a few layers of um, what is it, uh, cause and effect. So, for example, like if you want to explain, well, you know, the roads are like you mentioned; those are paid for by taxes, as is water, as is um, a lot of the telecommunication networks, um, as are education, education <laughs> um, which is you know, you need people to read, write, and understand mathematics, right? Uh-huh. Just basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and then when you say, well, when you kind of link all those together, um, people don't see it because it's not like a one-to-one relationship, but it's actually this distributed infrastructure, which is incredibly uh, important. And what I find really interesting, living from being in the UK to living in Japan, is Japan is like, it's it's like natural disaster island, right? Because you've got yeah. <laughs> tsunami, you've got volcanoes, you've got earthquakes. And the thing that has kept the, the nation sort of, alive for thousands of years is this emphasis on sort of communal and the import communal sort of uh, helping each other and the importance of you know a very robust infrastructure that you invest heavily into because when an earthquake happens that's what you rely upon to bring everything back together again and i think or, because or other like countries- covid19 right you know a pandemic Right. <laughs> Look at the difference Which, in Japan. For, you yes, know. right. I mean, and that's a really good example. Like, yes, they've coped with it generally really well. And that's not from like a governmental edict that was telling people to behave. It's just people are used to natural disasters and, and understand that you we're stronger together and everything has to be kind of managed together. So, yeah, no, that that's a very good example. Yeah, but I, you know, the whole tax thing just drives me nuts when I sort of see, you know, uh, billionaires especially just taking so much and they're just not paying anything back. And it's just like, hang on a second, that's just really not going to work in the long term. But never. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It, it is short sighted. That is, I think that's the best way to put it. Because mm. yeah, it, it it you know it can't. It's not sustainable. First of all, you mm. know, it's having very super super wealthy individuals who have built their fortune on these these massive corporations. Uh, it just it there is no way that that is going to be a sustainable future for for a country. Like you need to have a broad, broad middle class with lots of upward mobility potential for, yes. for, for people, you know, with, and that as technology uh, replaces jobs, as, you know, as all these huge changes happen, like the importance of having some way to lift people up in order for just the functioning of the economy and society to continue becomes so much more, I mean, it's always been important, but uh, this resistance to that by like, the business community by, you know, the, the super rich, it just feels really, it feels misguided. Like, yeah. And I think it's becoming more and more apparent. I mean, that's one of the things I actually, I mean, social media is not good in some ways, but in other ways, I think it's very helpful in shining a light on a lot of things that were previously kind of hidden by the, the old media landscape. Um, so, and sure. I think that just, I mean, how do I explain this? So, I always love the description of when like the telephone was invented, everybody thought, Oh no, this is an evil thing of technology. You'll never be left alone. And the thing <laughs> is, is the, te- the technology itself is not inherently evil. It's how it's used. So yes, you could use it to ring sure. your mum, but you could also use a mobile phone to set off a bomb somewhere. Um, so it's the same technology. It's just how it's used. And I do feel that 
Sure. There's a lot totally. of demonizing of social media. And, and there is definitely um, this kind of unhealthy, it kind of enables bullying and reputational uh, destruction in a very, very kind of conveniently well-packaged way, um, which I think is unnerving. Um, however, I think there's a lot of good that also comes from it in terms of like showing what's actually happening. Um, and also I'm yeah. just going back to the yeah. kind of the oh, yeah. weird social media bullying thing whilst, you know, getting dogpiled, it's, it's always like a, actually just a really vocal minority. Um, and that's something that I think yeah. social media is showing up as well, because yeah. you can see how many people are doing it like real time. And then you see the vast majority that are just mm -hmm. kind of, going, eh, no, not really. So, um, I find that really <laughs> healthy well, in you. a way. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, totally. But, yeah. Uh, so Demon Souls, I know you've been wanting to talk I, about this. Yes, you, because you're you, a soldier. Did you say you, you platinumed that? Yeah. Did, did you, did you, 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 that's impressive. I, I wish I had that. I don't know. I don't, I don't ever allow myself enough time to play video games these days, but uh, that's impressive. Did you platinum yeah. it originally in the PS3 uh, version? No, or? I didn't actually because it annoyed me. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> it has some annoying but, things about it. <laughs> no, no, because the original game, uh, the, the biggest annoyance and I think the biggest improvement over the remake is that when you were basically full of like all the items you could carry, that was it. Um, and you had to drop stuff to pick something else up, whereas now it mm -hmm. automatically gets sent back to your you know storage. So you can just constantly... Yes build up your materials and the materials are really important because that's how you upgrade your base weapons and the mm -hmm. base weapons are actually some of the best in the game once they're fully upgraded so that actually has a dramatic improvement on like the flow of the game and the actual kind of oh i actually want to kind of resource hunt um i, yeah. I need to get these resources getting these resources is useful um right. which is the original game didn't allow for that um so, yeah, and the other thing that I did that even though it's not technically a part of any of the trophies because it's like a secret thing is I also did the the whole crazy quest to get the penetrator yeah. armor set, which is that's just... That's pretty cool. That's just... Whoever came up with that deserves to be, like, stabbed in the face because uh, it's just <laughs> an absolute bastard to do because you have to change the world tendency from pure black to pure uh, white and you yeah. also have to play it in fractured mode, which is like mirrored, which messes with your head. So like I you bet. know a level really well, and then it's just like flipped, and you're going, oh, my brain, and it's not good. <laughs> and then you have to find these bloody ceramic coins, and once uh. you get them, I, I will say that one, one good thing about it is once you get all like 26, I think, and you get the rusted key, the rusted key is a permanent, it carries over to every new game. Oh, that's good. So you don't have to do it Which, again. Because all the character. other keys don't do that. It's just that one key okay. that does. So when well, you do nice. get the... Yeah. <laughs> and the Penetrator armor set is really good. Um, yeah. It looks really awesome. It looks much cooler than it actually is. But, um, but no, I, th I, I really like... So the Platinum stuff, I think what was the hardest one? The hardest one, I think, was the two online ones because I actually had to get a friend to help me. Um, because it's like you have to help defeat a boss or you have to kill someone when you're a Black Phantom. And basically, I, I'd leveled up so much by that point that there was no way I was ever going to meet anyone online of my level. 
So I just said, okay, just because if you have a friend, it doesn't matter about your level. There, there can be a disparity. Yeah. And he'd actually had a really big problem with, I think, the Flame Lurker boss. So I just turned up with my like ridiculous character and went, you are dead! And just killed him. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> and he was like, oh my God, Like, how much damage did you just do? And he's like, yes. <laughs> look away, look away. Um, well, you no, know, I've always said that summoning is is the de facto uh, easy mode in the Souls yeah. games. You know, yes. people always say, oh, we need an easy mode, we need an easy mode. And it's like, well, summon people. Yeah. That's your easy I mean, mode. That, that's how it works. And you actually, um, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm a masochist probably, but I didn't do any online stuff at all. I just played it purely offline, the whole thing. Yep. Um, and and the only last two things I did was that last thing with my friend. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, you're right. That, that makes it a lot easier. One thing I will say about Souls is I do actually find the remake a lot, better in terms of messaging for like when you mess up because the ps3 version was a bit sketchy on that um yeah and and to be honest i'm not the hugest fan of souls in that regard um because like the messaging is kind of all over the place but the the new remake for demon souls is really well they've gone a lot into the animation and really kind of thought things through it's very well done so how far are you on through it by the way i'm not very far at all I am really, you know, I have just, this year, I have just sort of played a lot of Call of Duty. I don't know. Oh, like I've, I've had this goal oh, nice. to get Warzone and Black, most, mostly Black Ops Cold War lately. Like, I really? just had okay. this ambition to get good at it, you know? Like, kind of like I did with the Souls game at one games at one point, where I wanted to get really good at, at these games, and I got really good at them, and I beat them. And, you know, like, beating... Dark Souls for the first time was awesome. Beating Demon Souls for the first time was awesome. Bloodborne, you know, all this sense of achievement. And now, like, I've just been kind of partly because I've played with my kids and partly because I've got a group of buddies that we play together. And um, it's just kind of like that social aspect has been really fun. But yeah. I need to get, I need to do that. I need to play more Demon Souls and I need to play some of these other new games that have come out. Like uh, Returnal is a pretty cool game. Oh, yeah. You played that yet? No. It's really I've been, neat. I've been, it's, I, I've been eyeing that up. Yeah, I think you'd like it. I mean, it's 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 really interesting. It's 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 very dark, and um, you know, I've played for a couple hours, and it's 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 a really unique. It's got a really unique flow to it. I think you'll I think you'll dig it. Um, it's it's you know, it's not like a Souls game, but it's kind of it's got that sort of feeling of like an a, you know, it's sort of evocative like uh, ruined That's a very landscape. Thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got that feel to it. The gameplay is totally different. It's very challenging and it's kind of stressful. And but it's a it's a roguelike, um, so you know the the levels change up each time. But there are similar. They don't change up entirely. Entirely, you will go into areas that are the same. They're just yeah. different orders. And um, they, they, they have a really cool enemies, really cool enemy design. Um, yeah, they look cool. I saw the trailers. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that there's was like really not, nice. There's not boring enemies in this game, which I really like. Like. Um, and, but sometimes there's really huge spikes in difficulty, which stress me out. And I'm, I'm like, ah, this, that was just killed me immediately. I got to start over. And that's part of the fun of it. You know, and there's been some really great roguelikes lately. Um, like, uh, oh God, what was that one that was, that was so popular last year? Um, Hades. Hades? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a great game. Did you enjoy um, that? I did enjoy that. Yeah. I, I didn't finish it. I didn't, I didn't play enough. You see, this is my problem. I've had a, I have had like this in. I have been incapable of finishing games lately. I have like a uh, mm. gamer's block or something. And I, maybe it is just because I focused a lot more on mil- multiplayer. Because for a long time, I, f- I focused on single player games. And I guess there just yeah. came this point where I was like, you know what? I want to get 
I want to get good at these. I want to be competitive. I think and Fortnite. Because there was, you, was right. Mm-hmm, I started playing that a lot. Yeah. I wanted to win. I wanted to get yeah. a victory royale. And I started doing that. And I was like, yeah, all right. And then um, gunfight in Call of Duty. I don't know if you've ever played that. But that 2v2 no. mode. It's so good. It's it's really elevated Call of Duty from like a mindless, like people running around, sliding around, shooting each other to this like intense tactical 2v2. Everyone has the same guns. Everyone has the same equipment. There are no kill streaks and people don't run around like crazy. They they communicate and you have to like, you have like Works, 60 yeah. second rounds. It's really good. And that I think got me that's, into that. So, you know. That's that, a that, lot that, like uh, Gundam Extreme Versus, the way that you have 2v2 oh, yeah? and it's really tactical. So, I mean, because the thing that's is like. Cool. Yeah, no, the, the the I mean, you should check that out as well. Gundam Extreme Maxi Boost on on the PS4. If you like two v two tactical games, doesn't matter if you like Gundam at all. The whole setup for okay. that is amazing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Seriously, cool. I mean, Gundam is like as a game, it doesn't matter. Um, okay. if, if anything, it'll introduce you to cool stuff. But the thing for me is that um, like uh, things like Fortnite and Call of Duty is because that's kind of out of my Japanese gaming remit. I tend that stuff tends to you know you know skim past me so if it's a japanese game that i have to cover then i tend to kind of see that stuff so i'm I'm a bit out of the the loop on sort of a lot of western uh development though i I do play call of duty a bit um especially the single player stuff so i um you know when i was younger when i first got into pc building i and you know i you know it was around the time of like elder scrolls oblivion and half-life 2 and those games but then i really got really pulled into Counter-Strike and Team Fortress 2 and those, you know, those games. So I used to play very competitive shooters on PC. Then I kind of got out of that for for a long time. And now I feel like I'm kind of like, well, I don't play Counter-Strike because every time I get into that game, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like people just running around and I just die right away. And I'm like, okay, never mind. But, you know, Overwatch, I I enjoyed tactical strategic that's what I liked. yeah oh yeah, yeah. it was very tactical and, and that yeah. you know and i like and games slow, like that. I liked the and original it quite, mm-hmm. yeah it, you weren't like jumping around and you were actually no i used to play counter-strike a lot on pc yeah uh, yeah it was so it fun back in the day and it's not the yeah. same anymore it's kind of sad actually i think i think that's another sign of valve kind of like going for money rather than for quality and i, I, I don't know like i just I think it's, it's the, the the pernicious effect uh the the effect of like battle royale where everything is just just a mosh pit and there's no yeah, kind of yeah. like appreciation of tactics and strategy and how you kind of build a level in a kind of a more thoughtful way. It's just like, mm-hmm. well, here's the choke point. Have fun. And it's just like, oh. yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. And that's why I do enjoy, you know, gunfight and call of duty. If you get a chance to play that, um, well, in yeah, you played Warzone, So, yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. so, you know, in the gulag where it's one V one. Yeah. When you die awesome. and you can get a chance, that's like gunfight, but it's two V two. And they've got small maps like the, the Gulag is one of the maps. Oh. In so just picture that, but with ben, okay. the first team to six, you know, mm. so, you know, so we've had, and I play with my kids a lot. They love that. So, you know, where we've had where, you know, the other teams ahead four to zero and we come back and we win it six to five. And like, it's a very fun experience. And I guess, I guess I've just been, you know, drawn into that and, and not, focused as much on 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 all these other games i should be playing and i'm I'm gonna gonna play demon souls damn it i i will say one thing that annoys me about demon Demon souls damn it okay i i want i just prefer the estus flask system in dark souls so much to the stupid grass system and and it's same in bloodborne with the blood vials i just prefer but at least in that game you had that uh 
uh, retake or regain system where, you know, you could, if you if you jumped in fast enough, you could get some health back by, by getting a hit on an enemy. Right, right, right. You remember right, that? Right. That was a yep, cool yep, mechanic yep. that it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it rewarded precise yet aggressive play. Like, high you know, risk, Blood Bowl really changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm, it really changed the soul, the flow of the Souls games, which were very much like defensive. Yes. You know, watch your stamina, watch your, you know, get your shield up or, or you know, whatever, you, yes. however you play. Um, whereas, you know, in Bloodborne, they have the, the weak ass wooden shield that's kind of making fun of the, that style yeah. of play. And you really want to play that aggressive, like counter, dodge, you know, jump in, jump out, you know, and I, lo- I really loved that. Did you play Sekiro? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, no, I, I thought that was very good as well. So that, that didn't have an easy mode. You couldn't summon people in it. That game no. was freaking hard dude yes i you know i never finished that game i i that that is the one souls game that i just was like at a, at a certain point i was like i don't think i have time for this game anymore like i got i just got too frustrated and what about I, neo to my, to my Did, you enjoyed chain. the neo games didn't you i liked neo yeah I, I didn't finish the neo games either i i played quite a bit of the first one but i never i didn't get very far in the second one um i, I do those need to play were quite tough more. too they're very tough. I, I don't, you know, there are things I don't like about them as much. Like I love in souls that every weapon is unique and you don't just yes. find like a better broadsword and then a better broadsword and then a better broadsword. And then, it, you know, like you're not constantly fiddling with loot. Like you find a weapon, you get the, uh, you know, the balder side sword and you're like, yeah, I'm going to upgrade this sword and I'm going to play with this sword the rest of the game. And I'm going to find other weapons and kill a couple bad guys with them. But then I'm going to go back to my my weapon. But in Neo, you know, it's like more of the Diablo style loot where you're yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly fine. You know, and that, I don't know, like that that aspect of the game. I mean, I thought it was very, they were very good games. Mm. Not not to the level of Souls, but still very entertaining and fun and, and challenging. No, I, I totally hear you on the Estus Floss thing. I mean, I will say this though, it, you can farm the, the grasses mm-hmm, quite quickly. I, I so you don't in, have to worry about it. I mean, when you do start out, it is a bit annoying relative to the Estus yeah. Floss. I do actually think the Estus Floss setup was better in Dark Souls than what they did for Demon Souls. So I totally, mm-hmm. totally agree on that. But it becomes yeah. less of an issue the more you play. Um, yes, and, absolutely. And Once you on, get to, and, the, and the big advantage, to the Tower Knight, you, yeah. you know, yeah. Yes. Sorry, Once you get to the tower, right. yeah, no, no. What I was going to say is that you, when when the grasses start to get more powerful, mm-hmm. and you literally you don't need many, and you can just like re- refill your entire health, um, yeah. that is really cool. So, but yeah, I was going to say if you want, and I'm I'm happy to help because I've got everything that I can. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I should I do that. that, that... <laughs> we should I, um, do that. I yeah, that would be fun. I, I I'll hit you up when I when I when I have a sense of when I'll play. Just out of curiosity, we'll... what uh, character did you go with when you started? Uh, what did I choose this time? I think I chose the knight. Okay. Because I like uh, the knights the best. Just because okay. I like the way they look. Seriously, I it's a weird thing with me, but I when I play like Dark Souls, I love that the knight set or the elite knight set. And I just feel like I'm a knight. I feel like I'm like cosplaying or like, you know, like, I don't okay. know. They just, it's such good arm. It's just cool, like classic armor that I just like rolling around with that. That build, although I have played Dark Souls like as a barbarian build with no upper armor, like Conan style, and yeah. as a monk, you know, and all these. But um, but yeah, the knight with the the fluted armor is is just such. Yeah, a that, cool, that's the classic armor as well. The classic that's... Demon Souls, you know. Um, but yeah, I need to get back into it. You know, the last no. time I played on the PS3, I I had I fired it up and I started playing and I killed four bosses without dying once, and I was like, what? the hell is going on? Like I was on fire, but this time when I fired it up, 
on PS5, <laughs> PS5, I was like dying and dying. And I'm like, am I just getting too old for this shit? I don't know. Probably not. I'm just probably rusty, but man, it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> were, you, were you a knight on the PS3 version? I think so. I don't yeah. know. I, I often will like ditch a couple pieces of armor. I like just to get the, like the speed to where yeah, I need yeah, it to be. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I like, I keep like what I can and then I'll fiddle with it until I'm like, until I can dodge quicker, you know, or, yeah. you know, roll it's, quicker. It's because... the 50% under the mm-hmm. 50% like equip. That means you can yeah. do the quick roll. Otherwise you do the, the, the fat roll. You just get the yeah. Roll. And it's just no good. No, in, like, in like... Dark Souls, you can get like Havel's ring and like all the different, Kind of different things till so you can get really pretty quick for and it's a pretty clunky game. They both are pretty clunky, but in like kind of a good way. There's like yeah. this weight to the you know to that you kind of you know like in Dark Souls three, it's so much smoother and slicker. And I kind of miss the clunkiness of of the earlier games that that kind of like the weight. I don't know it's that comes the weight from it's charming. That <laughs> they have that that comes from their mecha games. That is yeah because. Because Armor Core, Metal Wolf Chaos, it's it's all about all about um, sort of the sort of the weight of the the mecha. So you have to kind of take yeah. that into account in terms of your movement and combat. And I really think that compared to Kingsfield, which didn't really mess around with this too much, but but in and even Shadow Tower, but when it moved into the Souls, they kind of really brought that over. And I think there were lots of like customization elements that were in Demon Souls that were really, 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 really strongly from Armor Core. So I thought that was kind of yeah, I, I'm just I'm waiting for when they do a new one, but they're not going to. It's it's just never going to happen anyway. Yeah, now they're 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 pretty into the souls, you know, the success of that and, and Elden, Elden Ring chain or Elden Ring, yeah, Elden, Elden Ring there somewhere uh, in the future. I mean, um, I know I, they are working pretty much flat out on Elden Ring now, so yeah, it's yeah, definitely it's, happening. It's, it's just Corona has delayed uh, it. Sure. And it's, and uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of enjoying the relative silence on it. It's, it keeps things mysterious and exciting. And I, I would, I think it'd be really cool if they just like one day released a launch trailer and they're like, it's coming out next week. Everyone will lose their minds. Right. You know, like that would be so cool. <laughs> I think that's pretty much what they're going to do. And it'd be like, literally like, here's the game. And then like a month yeah. later it's out. Cause yeah. like, you know, we get too many, I've written about this, but we get sometimes we get just way too many trailers, and it's like yes. it's, it's still eight months out. Here's a trailer, and then here's like an interview with the developer with some more footage, and like they know here's the story trailer, here's a cinematic trailer, here's a freaking multiplayer trailer, and here's twenty screenshots, and here's an IGN first preview, and it's like okay, well, I'm not excited about the game anymore. <laughs> like yes. I just want you know that's why like Respawn's Apex Legends launch, they were like they were like boom, here's the game, and everyone's like what. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to see something like that with with Elden Ring. Well, why? Why? Because like... I kind of missed the thing, but there was like a huge uptick in Titanfall Two uh, online gaming. What was was that to do with Apex? That because I mean, um, I thought you might know part, about that. I think partly because they did do some in, like some lore integration, but I think and it, it's also because it came to Steam finally. But that was a while ago. Um, I think it just has been building momentum on Steam for a while. Because it's such a great game, and it oh, that opened amazing. it up to so many the single new gamers. player in that is absolutely oh, fantastic, yeah. dude. That's Just one like of the, the few level design games I, and oh god, yeah. It's it's one of the only games I've given a ten out of ten to. Um, yeah, because I just I loved. I thought the campaign was brilliant. It reminded yes. me, you know, a little bit of Half Life Two. It was very innovative. It was you know the right length and a great mix of like the mecha and the pilot gameplay, and then 
um, a, you know, a, a good story, nothing, nothing too crazy, but like a good story with a nice connection between the, the mech and the, the main character and then a great multiplayer. I mean, I, I was never really great at that multiplayer. I was fine, but now you see some people play that multiplayer and it's like they can fly. It's like they're just like flying through levels, spinning around, shooting people backwards and then turning like it's it's like a I don't know, it's like a ballet. It's like watching this crazy like mecha shooter ballet and and it's just this the skill that some people can can that have and that they put to use in that game is really remarkable. It's so sad that that game didn't just have, just didn't make so much money when it, when it released between call of duty and battlefield. <laughs> yeah. It just, it was a stupid, stupid thing. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I mean, just thinking about it now, it's just like, how could you, um, and, and it was a better game than either of those. Like it yes. was infinite war or it was, it was, um, it was call of duty. Which call of duty was it? It wasn't it as was. good as Titanfall two. Was it advanced or was it? Um, it might have even been. Was that the one where you kill Kevin Spacey? I can't remember. I think that was. It might have been that one. That was a fine game, I guess. I don't know if that was that year. I can't remember. Either way, it was better than it was a better game, and it just it did not get the love it it deserved. Yeah. The only thing I, I mean, I love Titanfall Two. I mean, I love all the the way they handled the mecha. I love the. Um, well, I love the way they handled the visual element of the mecha and the character. But the thing that I always found from a functional standpoint was that the. I always felt the on-foot pilot stuff was a lot more fun and interesting than the mecha stuff because the mecha just felt like... It's, so all this cool movement and stuff I can do, I'm now just not doing any of that. And it's just... yeah. Doof, 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 doof. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it it's have been like, cool if like your mech could move like the pilot could move? Like right. the mech could run on walls and do all that fun stuff and you were just in this like way bigger... Like still but the super thing is, hyper they mobile. They showed that on some of the press things with the mecha and the and the pilot oh. running, and then the and then BT you know seventy seven four like running behind him. I was going yes, and then, no, 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 we're not, we're nope. not going to do this. Nope. No, you, you uh, just get into mecha. And yeah, it's like, dun, you're right. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, never okay. mind. Zero yes. out of ten. Do not play this game. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm it's saying. terrible. <laughs> it's a betrayal. No, no I, I think what was nice about that was the kind of the juxtaposition of like the, the sheer firepower discrepancy. And then you really do feel like that's the purpose of, of, of the Titans. This is what they bring to the battlefield. And I think the yeah. way they did that, but the stuff I loved primarily was this, the amazing level design, like the way you walk through mm-hmm. levels, just like mm-hmm. it kind of went from just doing the initial like wall running and everything. And then taking that up a few notches. And then they have the time travel, which mm-hmm. was just like, Oh my god! I can flip flip between times, which I thought yeah. plus the wall running. That was cool. That was, that was cool. Insane. Yeah, that like, was like, insane. That level even, was great. Yeah, there wow. was like two I, levels happening at uh-huh. the same time. Uh-huh. That's just ingenious level design, yeah. and I just loved that. Um, that and they kept like, introducing. Yeah. No, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. You kept no, they just they kept on like just introducing all these kind of groundbreaking ways to handle you know first person shooter level mm-hmm. design and it's just like fucking tumbleweed like nobody looked at it yeah. just a- and we don't have titanfall 3 and we may never i mean i I, no. I i was i felt so hopeful for a minute after that game came out that like the next one would be you know they would just keep expanding on these cool co- concepts and cool level design and and innovative you know everything everything just felt so fresh and yes. and, and as Which much is amazing as amazing for a first person shooter but Amazing. Amazing for any yeah. game these days yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. But uh, as much as Apex Legends is a great uh, Battle Royale game that I'm really bad at, um, <laughs> the, I've won that one time and it was when me and my son played a duos match. And I saw, you know, we were just hanging out and looting and like, 
I saw the circle coming in and it came in over, uh, over the water. And there was like a peninsula here and then a strip of land here and then water. And I was like, let's position ourselves on this peninsula over here. So we went up there and we hung out. We waited and we were watching people fight. And the circle came in more and it was on our peninsula, but not on that strip of land over there. And the, the remaining people just died. We didn't because get a the, single kill. We yeah. just hung out until everyone was dead and we won. That's our only win. <laughs> it was That's amazing. We were like, okay, cool. We didn't even shoot at anybody. Like what well, we did, we started to clock shots. But we didn't hit anybody. Like we we didn't kill anybody. That's amazing. It was the that's the only time I've won, and it was so funny. We're just like, okay, cool. We won. Yes, (laughs) we're the winners. (laughs) Um, But you know, I think like I am still sad. I hope that respawn is able to take some of that Apex money or success and turn it into a Titanfall three that's properly marketed, released like in June or something when no other big games are released. Yeah, and um just is another awesome maybe maybe improve the mechs uh you know yeah well no it's not the designs i thought the designs are fantastic oh, yeah, um yeah. It, it's it's the more movement. the yeah it's like what, what do you do like i mean apart from just being i'm a walking tank um mm-hmm. i mean it it never felt like um i mean with the pilot there was this kind of there's a special thing to its movement right whereas with mm-hmm. the mecha there was nothing kind of unique about the movement it's just a bit heavier um and you got bigger yeah guns. And you can't do as much, yeah. which which is it's, kind of it's a bit useful, weird. but yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is. I mean, I, I, mean, I never like. like mm. I never, I never enjoyed that part of the game as much as the other stuff, uh, and I, I, I think that could that's probably definitely the the, the place where they could improve the most yes. because there's no reason it couldn't be a really awesome part of the game. Like, right. you, in, when you're in a mech, it should be freaking awesome, right? Like, it should be right. the most awesome part of the game. So yes. maybe they'll do that. That would be sweet. Um, you know, certainly the, the improvements, it, well, just the fact that Titanfall 2 had a campaign, Titanfall 1 didn't. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, given the right resources and time and, and everything, I think they could, you know, uh, I think they would probably improve all those things, but we'll see. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see that. But it's, it's just like, having played like other mecha games generally, it's just that a lot more work goes into how those, like you said, that they're awesome. That That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. So the fact it didn't do that was just kind of a bit, but I love that designs. one game. Do you remember Watch that game Hawken? Do you remember oh, that, that yeah. PC game Hawken? Yeah. What happened to that game? That game was like all the rage for a little bit. And then it's just like, just disappeared. Well, cause this is the thing. So that was a really smartly developed, uh, unreal engine three game. That was originally going to be like an, a single player uh, with a bit of a multiplayer indie game for 360, I think. And then what happened was it got a really bad publisher that just wanted to take all it free to play and PC only. And then the whole free to play thing mm. was pay to win, and that just kind of killed it off pretty much straight away because it's like you had this really interesting idea for yeah. a mecha game, and then it just kind yeah. of fizzled out. Because this is the thing about you know, mecha games, it's actually yeah. this, well, just generally with any kind of shooting game, you need the single player. Everyone's focusing on, uh, you know, battle yeah. royale at the moment and Fortnite. Fortnite's doing very well with not having really kind of a single player, which is fine. Um, but that doesn't mean that everything's going to be like that. And I think they're, they're kind of learning this the hard way. And this is generally what happens in game yeah. publishing in general is like, there's a game type that's successful and then everything copies that. 
and then everything mm-hmm. else that copies that doesn't do as well. And they go, okay, we shouldn't do that. Let's go back and do what we know already. So, um, and that's kind of very much publisher down, right? It's not the developers that are like going, let's make a battle royale. No, it's, it's <laughs> always like the publishers that come up with that. Right. So, um, I, I think that, yeah, that's, that, so Hawken got hit by that. And then you got things like MechWarrior Online, which got hit by the same kind of thing because everybody loves MechWarrior, right? But, um, that was like, again, pay to win and it was yeah. a free to play game and that kind of killed it off. And then the next game that's actually, they're now trying to build it back up with things like MechWarrior 5, which is excellent. But because they've had this free to play thing that kind of went against what the, the, you know, people were expecting. Um, and pretty much the, 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 the series as a whole hasn't done that before. Uh, that kind of harmed it. So, yeah. And then heavy gear as well. <laughs> they would try to go, they try to go down the heavy, the, 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 the free to play route that killed it off pretty much before it even started. Huh. Um, and then you got the battle. Yeah, free to play is tricky. No, it's, it's not, tricky to do it right. When it's, it's a service. This is the thing. And it's very yeah. difficult to get that right. And you have to constantly yeah. update what you're doing. I mean, this is why you have all the seasons uh-huh. in Fortnite is because you're right. effectively reinventing you're actually, everyone says, oh, you make so much money, you only have to make one game and then it, you know, just yeah, brings no. you money. <laughs> you, no, you're con- yeah. you, you never finish. You're constantly right. developing a game. Um, and yes, you're making a ton of money as it's happening, but you're spending a ton of money to get there. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not like the best, you know, it's not like, oh, let's do free to play. We'll just make all the money in the world and we can just wear clothes made of money. No, it's, it's there's a lot more to it. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's not an easy thing to do. And there are, it doesn't always work with certain game types and certain, um, you know, series especially. Because I think when you try and change a series that wasn't historically like that into something like right. that, that's always going to cause problems because that's not like the sort of the functional lineage that people are, you know, that's... Because I think with games, because they are, like I said, tactile media, because they're things you play, there's kind of a much stronger connection when things like fundamentally change with that. Because then you actually feel it a lot more than, let's say, you would see like a reboot of Spider-Man, for example, as a movie. Mm-hmm. But with a game, when you find, when you like, I, mean, I remember was it when they did the the first-person version of Syndicate, right? And Syndicate is this amazing kind of tactics game on the PC, the original one with the four little cyborgs, and you walk around. It's a shooter, but it's quite a tactical, interesting shooter, and you have to build up all your characters and stuff. And then they just turned it into kind of like Cyberpunk the shooter. And that just died because it's just a huge shift away from what people remember functionally. And the attachment is this kind of tactile attachment. So when you change stuff like that, it's actually really bad. Um, and free to play, you know, I mean, it makes sense that with Fortnite, they, they did their whole new thing. I mean, they tried to do free to play with Unreal Tournament and that didn't really work because right. it wasn't free to play originally. And the same thing with, um, you know, Gears, they kind of gave that away to Microsoft, but. You know, you've got to be careful when you kind of change stuff around like that. And free to play, I mean, there are very few instances where it works very well. And a lot of those are very culturally specific as well. So like League of Legends mm-hmm. is huge in Asia. Um, and that's, you know, visual customization primarily. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I'm just well, Warzone is another, Warzone is an interesting example because that is free to play. And that is the first Call of Duty in the West that is, you know, outside of mobile that's been free to play, but it's tied directly into their premium games as well. Yes. So it's free to play, but it's also very much in the same, for better or but worse, they still in have the same a single ecosystem. Player, right? right. Just, They've they, got the Call of Duty, the yearly release. And, you know, they didn't have a single player in Black Ops 4 
And that was, you know, I don't think anybody, I mean, even though a lot of, you know, people, no most people it. play mostly multiplayer, but most, a lot of people were pretty upset that there wasn't a single player game attached right. to it. And I think it was harder for them to market it. It was harder for them to get players attached to it. And yes, I mean, I think it was really important. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I always play, I love the single player. <laughs> like yeah. I, I like Call of Duty games and like game, like shooters like Call of Duty that have relatively short campaigns because it's like I can play that and I can get through that and be done with it and like feel like I've finished it's not 80 hours there's too many there's too many open world games that take 100 hours to finish and I you know I like yes. the, some something a little more linear a little more bite-sized that I can you mm. know get into and you know like I don't I don't need to I don't need to play another you know Far Cry game that is just like a bazillion side missions and like I, I just want to have I want to have a good story and like, Oh, Blood Dragon was great, right? Yeah, oh, so God. so economical <laughs> and <Yeah>. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I just you know I I I, uh, I you know what it was really interesting is I played Mafia the remake the remade Mafia game, and it it feels very much like a Grand Theft Auto, right? You've got you've got your cars, you've got your big city to drive around. But the crazy thing about it was is that every mission there was all these story missions, linear like story missions that would take you through different parts of the town. And there were no little side quests. There were no little, there was very few little markers on the map that you could go like find something at or like race people or like just that stuff didn't exist in that game. And it felt like, a, it just felt like freedom to me. Again, mm. like they say that open world is freedom, but when I see a map that is covered in little icons and you, every one of those is something to do or somebody to talk to or suddenly a little a mini game to play, it's a hassle and it's, it overwhelms me. I feel yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. I feel paralysis at a certain point when I'm playing. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. like, nope, never mind. I don't want to play it. But when I go into a game and it's like, okay, there is this city that I can explore, but I'm just going on these missions and I don't, I don't have to go involve myself in all this busy work. I feel like much more invested in that game. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I feel like that we've, we've really gone off, uh, you know, and, and also it's kind of, not very creative. These open world games are just open world and they're, they're just like one big map, you know, something like dark souls is, is theoretically it is open world, right? Like you can play a the lot of different are areas. The choices are open. Yeah. 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 You, you probably shouldn't though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you can go, you know, this way, uh, but you're going to die probably, but you can do it. You know, you can take a different approach. Um, and I think that's more creative and more interesting to have some sort of organic gatekeeping rather than just here's a great big open world and go climb the towers and unlock the map and go hunt so and fish and this is the problem I had with the uh, breath of the wild is just that I know a lot of people love that. I mean, I, I did everything in it. I mean, I got all the Korok seeds as well and got the golden, <laughs> poo, got the golden poo at the end. Um, and I did all the heart, got all the shrines and everything, but I, I do, it, it just felt like, it lost a lot of that kind of focus and um, yes. I mean, yeah, the paralysis you feel like oh, there's just so much and it's yeah. just enormous and it, it feels like really bland as a consequence. It doesn't feel as, mm -hmm. this is why I really liked the link to the past, uh, not link to uh, links awakening remake. Cause that was just such like a, like a hit to the head of like, yeah, this is what a Zelda game is. This is so Zelda is, yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, I love that game originally. I think games like Ghost of Tsushima do a pretty good job with making the open world format feel more story driven and organic. And I, I'm yeah. really impressed with that game. Um, 
there's still a little too much to do in there for my taste, but I was, you know, and with Breath of the Wild, I liked some of the gameplay innovations. The climbing was really neat. Like there were really cool things in that game, but I, at a certain point with that game also just started to feel like, okay, this is like, it's too open. There's too much, too many choices. I want to just, I want there to be more of, you know, so many of the earlier, almost all the Zelda games require you to sort of unlock certain things at certain points, get certain tools to help you, you know, get to new areas. And it's not just like do whatever you want. And I think that's one of the the best things about Zelda. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I would, I would, I would hope that with the Zelda franchise, they move back to maybe a a mixture of the two where there's a little more freedom than there used to be, but also more of that, that the, the guide, the the guidelines and the, the restrictions that help funnel you through the game. The organic restrictions. And I, I thought, what was it? Um, was it the, the 3DS Link to the Past sequel? Um, the one which you actually could tackle the dungeons in any order because mm. you could buy the tools necessary. I thought that was a really nice concession. I thought that was really yeah. well done, actually. Um, I thought the level design, that was brilliant because you could then change into like a 2D, like it messed with your head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I that. love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, no, I think that open world is it's also open world is unbelievably costly from a development standpoint. Yeah. So I kind of wish it would not be as, you know, prevalent. Um, because a lot of the time those games never make their money back. Um, I mean, the, the exception to all of this is always Grand Theft Auto, which just does insanely right. well every time it's released. But it's, but that's it. It has a certain, it has a certain, um, quality yeah. that most of these games don't have, right? I mean, Grand Theft Auto, like, you know, the most recent one I played was Grand Theft Auto V, of course, which, which has sold 1,700 billion copies at this point. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, Rockstar is the richest company in the universe. Uh, no, but, um, it, you know, it's what's great about the Grand Theft Auto games, you know, there is a lot of busy work. There are a lot of side missions, but man, they just have so much uh, character, you know, like... Like the, you know, the, the writing is fu- is funny. The, the the they create a really realistic or like very and highly stylized world. Like it's I've just always it's always just sort of nice to roll around in Grand Theft Auto. You know, even if you're you're taking your time with it. Um, and a lot of games can't really reach those heights. Uh, you know, is like because I've been playing since Grand Theft Auto three. I think it was that I started playing, and um, you know, they're just. I mean, they're not the, the the best written games in the world, but there's something about them that they're they're, yeah. they're just entertaining in ways that a lot of open world games can't quite achieve. There's a lot of yeah. imitators. Oh, you know, there's some of them. Some of the imitators have been good. Like I thought, Sleeping Dogs was pretty damn good. That was good. Um, you know, like there was some cool things in that game that you know the melee fighting was good, and like the there was some Crackdown. Cool I thought stuff. was an interesting idea, but they never really kind of followed that up. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, they did Crackdown 2 and 3, but the first game was by far and away the best one because that was like superhero Grand Theft Auto. Um, right, 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 right. But I mean, the ones, that, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'd call it open world, but it is open world-like are the Dragon Quest Builders games. Um, oh, yeah, I like those games. It's like yeah, Minecraft. Except, yeah, but that's but with, genius. Uh, like, with how, RPG. <laughs> yeah, like, but the whole thing with the Minecraft thing is like, I thought that was absolute inspired genius because the whole thing about Minecraft is you can destroy and build anything you want. So that mm-hmm. inherently breaks any kind of organic program, um, organic, like in Zelda, like you're, you're blocked off with like, you need this weapon to do this, mm-hmm. but in Dragon Quest Builders, you can just destroy everything, but they managed to make it work as a single player, you know, mm-hmm. action RPG, which I thought was like, that's inspiredly brilliant. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't is. like the second great. game quite as much because it was quite grindy, 
But the, the okay. first game I thought was really great. I'm really fucking Yeah, I played that so. for quite a while, and I was like, I like this so much more than Minecraft. I just can't get into Minecraft, but, you know, of course, that's yeah. generational. I mean, thing too. Like, my son loves Minecraft, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> Minecraft I like Fortnite. But <laughs> yeah, well, Minecraft didn't click for me until I played it on console, and I played mm. it cooperatively with friends, and we built castles and stuff together. Um, yeah. And I think that is probably the nicest cooperative sort of gameplay I've ever had. And like yeah, I could see some that. of the best friends, you know, building castles. And one of the, one of my favorite memories was that we built this amazing castle and I kept collecting wolves because you can get bones from the skeletons. And, and I just had like a hundred wolves in my like main atrium. <laughs> and, um, and, and the thing is, is they were all kind of loyal to me and my friend just accidentally hit me. And then all the wolves just went, <laughs> and, went and all, all I could hear over the voice call was like, ah, 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 what the hell? Ah, ah, <laughs> and, and I said, and, and, then, and then he came back and I said, "Just don't touch me in, in this area <laughs> because they're just going to kill you." Um, and he was, yeah. But yeah, we that I thought was really nice. And I like friends I hadn't seen for ages. You know, we caught up playing Minecraft and stuff, and that was just really. It's like having a friend over when you're a kid playing with Lego. That that's what it's like. Um, so that kind of made sense to me that way with friends. Yeah, but like on its own, it's a bit of a weird one. Um, yeah. So probably just takes yeah. getting used to also. I don't know. Yeah. Too many games. I, I'll never, I'll never <laughs> play all of the ones I want to play. I'll never get to that point and that's okay. I'd rather have too many games than too few games, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to, I need to play some resident evil village. I need to play more returnal. I need to play demon souls. And then we've got, yeah, let me know. Bio mutants. Oh, I yes. will. I will let you know. Biomutant looks rad. I've got a. I've got a review code for that. I need to fire that up. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Cause that just looks neat. I'm excited for it. I hope it's as good as it looks. Mm. Um, and then I think maybe we'll get a little brief uh, period with not as many releases, and then it'll be all crazy again in the in the Christmas, holiday yeah. season. Yeah. yeah, it always it's always a little overwhelming. Although I now think that's it just still feels stupid. like it is so stupid, isn't it? Like, yeah, they they don't do that in Japan because you know, like the holidays aren't a big thing, um, right? So you don't get this like like cluster of just stuff. Um, so that's nicer. But yeah, I remember years ago having to go through all the games. I mean, tend, I tend to play through all the Call of Duties, all the main shooter releases, mm-hmm. um, like the single players at least. So because I have to, I used to have to make those kind of games. So I used to have to like keep up to speed. Like, okay, so this is what everyone's doing now. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> and learn. And and the thing is, you learn like things not to do, like you know, like quality of life, best practices stuff, um, yeah. which is always very helpful. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, the, yeah, the, 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 the holiday season deluge is just, <laughs> I mean, yes, and like you said, we really talk about Titanfall 2 and that's like when really good games just get buried in all that. So it's a really mm-hmm, stupid, mm-hmm. stupid oh, strategy. Man, if, they had, if they had just released it in February, you know? Right. If that's they had the just released month. Or January, but really February, if, Titan, if Titanfall 2 had come out like February fifth or whatever you know like yeah right you know people people had played their christmas games and they're looking for something new and there weren't a lot of other games getting it coming out until like march or, or you know boom titanfall 2 that would have been that would have been the shit and instead <laughs> instead exactly. ea whoever was like making the decision at ea had like a brain aneurysm or something well the battlefield's a <laughs> EA property. It was their own and game. Like, I know. You, Why compete you, with your own game? Right. It's like, I don't <laughs> understand what you're doing. It's like, they're, the, they're the same genre you, you're doing. Maybe, maybe it was like, uh, like, uh, 
maybe they were just really laser focused on beating Call of Duty. And they're like, well, if we release two games, we'll totally beat Call of Duty. You know, we can release – and these guys used to make Call of Duty. So we're going to really stick it to Activision and we're going to release them both. And with their powers think, combined. I think that's exactly what happened. Okay. Because I, I, I used to – just now, but yeah. That's ex- – because it's, it's so stupid that that's exactly what they would have thought. Um, having worked at EA and having to sit in meetings demoing games, I can say yes – that is their management to a T. They would have literally oh, God. two games we could beat one. It's just like, no, it doesn't work like that. But that's no exactly one will think right. of it that way. <laughs> You're like, they're still going to say Battlefield versus Call of Duty, and then Wait. everyone's going to be like, oh, Titanfall. Yeah, yeah. that was a stupid idea. It's like, nobody would ever think of this. It's because it's stupid. Don't do it's so it. Stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid it will work. No, it won't. It's just it won't. so, it's so crazy. It might just... Yeah, no. Um, cool. No, well, I but, think that was a, a lovely uh, a lovely talking with you. I have to wrap this up. Me too. I'm um, actually going to get going too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, where you are, what is it? Like t- like 11 o'clock? Yeah, coming up to 11, yeah. 11 a.m. 11 and, and here it's 7 p.m., so... Opposite sides oh, of the world. Um, yeah, that was very fun. Let's do it again. Uh, we should just do this more often. There's so many games to talk about and oh, absolutely. and bullshit to talk about. So <laughs> we can make this more of a more of a yeah. regular rather than and, a and once yeah, every we, we few years. Yeah, totally do some like streaming on like Demon Souls. Oh that yeah, that would be fun. That would be really fun. I'm gonna have to brush up my skills before I stream the. And I'll, I'll get some. <laughs> I'll get some cool stuff to share with you as well because that's one of the nice yeah. things you can actually share items. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that would be helpful. Cool, man. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day and and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. And that's it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, me and Ollie bullshit for an hour and a half. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time talking with Ollie and I'm hoping to have him back on. I, I think there's you know tons more to talk about and we do have to play some Demon Souls together because uh, I have not gotten nearly far enough into the remake that as I would like, especially considering it's one of my favorite games ever. Uh, just life is so busy right now. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, thanks for watching. Please like and subscribe. Uh, subscribe to the, the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you are the reading type, subscribe to the Substack. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Eric Kane. This is Diabolical. Sounding off. Peace. <laughs>